0: To our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. How y'all doing today? A little bit louder than that. I heard that you're the excited crowd. How y'all doing? Hey, if you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be dealing with one of the easier subjects in the Bible today. The question that we're going to be answering that you posed during Easter time was, are we living in the last days, and what will heaven be like? Thank you so much for giving me a prompt that surely we can cover everything in 40 minutes or so. Um, (laughs) This is one of the deeper subjects in the Bible, I would say this is two subjects. You're welcome for putting them together, but uh, I'd say that this is, this is where it gets pretty deep. There's a lot to it, yeah. And what I want to do today is give you a taste. I want to give you just enough of a taste that you can understand. Although it's deep, it is to be understood by, by your, your average Christian should understand in times in heaven. And honestly, I don't think that we talk about it enough, but I have talked about it. So I want to give you a resource. If you're taking notes, pull something out and write down this web address. It's newchapel.com slash decodingrevelation, as though it's one word. If you were here at the church when I preached these messages, they were one hour each. That's not a great way to grow a church, but it was a great way to grow your people. And we decided maybe that you know, hour-long message alone is not the best way for, uh, to, for us to conduct a Sunday morning service. So what we did was we made it a small group. How many people were in Decoding Revelation? You're in here today. Was it good? Can I just ask you? Yeah. So you learn so much. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And so I encourage you, you can go on there and watch those videos. Or you can wait until this fall. So by popular demand, I never say that. But literally, people have been asking we want to do Revelation this fall. We're doing it, okay? So if you missed it for, for the spring semester, we're doing it this fall, and you can jump in. So, like, if, you can, if you can hold your horses for a second, uh, you can wait and do it with people, which I think honestly is the best way. Because doing it with other people, being able to ask questions, things like that, it'll make it so you don't tweet out something, and be like, I'm from New Chapel, and I think that the, the rapture's gonna be this day, you know? Like, it'll help. Just, you know, what, you can watch them on your own, but it would be awesome if you waited until fall. Okay. People want to know. They want to know what's next. They're curious about this. You know what's funny about this topic of end times in heaven? The world is curious about this. I mean, you can watch History Channel, 3 o'clock any day, they might show pyramids. 2 o'clock a.m., the pyramids are space age and whatever, stuff are flat. And they're talking about end times. They're talking about Nostradamus. You know what I mean? The the world is interested and even, I think, has this, this inkling, this pull towards. This thing's wrapping up, right? And so, so people are curious about this, and the Bible has answers for these things. We want to know how this is going to play out. And so write this down. History's next big event is the rapture of the church. The next big event that we're going to see in history, the, the big milestone that we're going to see happen, is the rapture or the rescue of the church by Jesus Christ. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. It's talking about uh, those that are dead. It's a very poetic, elegant way to say that people are, are Christians who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout... If you like quiet church, you can't stand it. When we get rowdy, you're going to hate heaven because from the moment you see Jesus, he's coming with a shout, everybody, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. Remember that. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Thus we, we shall always be with the Lord. There's a day coming upon the signal of Jesus Christ where we will be transported miraculously into the presence of God never to depart his presence this rapture includes the resurrection of dead believers and the transformation of those Christians that are living on earth at the time of Christ's return guys throw up that slide i want to show you just a glimpse of what we talked about during decoding revelation and this chart amongst other materials are on that website but I put a a red scarlet line uh, on this timeline and you can see that right before it is something called the church age and right after the church age is the moment Jesus comes back. It's when that era of time, that epoch, uh, that dispensation you might say, that's when that will be sealed and we're going to go into another dispensation. When the Bible says that in a moment we will be uh, translated transferred. That word in Greek is uh, the same word. It's A-T-M-O-S. It sounds like the word Adam. This moment will be minuscule. It will be an atomic moment. How long will it take for Jesus to come back, for the dead to rise in Christ, and for us to meet him in the air? That quick. It'll happen that quick, in a snap. That's how long it'll take for him to inaugurate the final era on earth today. Now think of the implications of a worldwide rapture of Christians. All of a sudden, every God-fearing, Bible-believing, Christ-following son or daughter of God disappears in a moment. Every Christian church is largely empty. Every Christian school is largely empty, we'll say. You see uh, different vocations where there's Christian statesmen and politicians and lawyers and doctors. Most farms are going to be empty, everybody. I could just tell you that. They're praying to Jesus, not somebody else. And, and, and you're going to see rural middle America is largely gone. I would also go so far to say that the coasts are going to be still pretty populated. <laughs> Christian researchers, statesmen, businessmen. Yeah, I got to move on. <laughs> You know they're going to be here like, what happened? I don't even know. (laughs) Businessmen, professors, Christians from all vocations will be gone. The salt and light of this world will be gone in an instant. Wow. This will set the stage for the master of deception, who the Bible calls Antichrist. Antichrist uh, will step onto a political and economic void that's created by the rapture of the church, and he'll offer a lot of answers He'll offer them, think of it this way, in kind with an Adolf Hitler post-World War I Germany. He'll have a lot of answers for things and rally people around his cause. Now, the Bible does say that many antichrists will come. I want to affirm that. That's talking about the spirit of antichrist in a general sense. In other words, I believe that Adolf Hitler even desired to be the antichrist we know for a fact the world will tell you that he was in the occult the occult is glorifying satan i know that he wanted to be the antichrist but he wasn't others through history nero and others many world leaders have gotten to the spot and have done devastating things and have wanted to be the antichrist and they might have had a spirit of antichrist but they weren't the antichrist what's the difference the Antichrist will have Satan himself bodily possess him. Only two figures in history have that happened: Judas Iscariot and the other one is the Antichrist. We don't know if this has already happened. Watching the news, uh, sometimes I think like, yeah, it had to have happened. But whether it has or it hasn't, that other figure, Antichrist, he will be the only other one. Spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. It's all over this world today. It's why some of us that, that understand how things work, how the world works, how things you know, w- w- would come together, how we scratch our head and think, how deceived can you be to think that in the name of humanity, you're going to make some, some, some little pen stroke and, and cause so much evil and harm in this world. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? That's the spirit of this age, and it is of Antichrist. But I'm not saying that that person or, or another that we, we, we don't know yet, But this person will be revealed, and they'll offer uh, a lot of pragmatic solutions. They'll be very simplistic, not simple. God has simple answers sometimes, but they'll be simplistic answers, and there will be a lot of people that will be deceived into following him. He'll make exorbitant pledges. He'll make all of these different statements. And the prophet Daniel says that this leader will make a firm agreement specifically with the nation of Israel. Now, I can't get into the depth of this. If you want a better explanation, our, our series talks about that that I mentioned. But uh, Israel will agree to it. They will agree. Remember the qualification for heaven, even though the Jews are God's chosen people, and the pastor of this church believes it. If you're anti-Semitic in this church and you're born again, get ready to go up to, and sit before a very Jewish Jesus, okay? But, but, but let me just tell you that Israel, if they don't accept Christ, they're still going to be here, okay? God has a plan for them. I can't talk about all of that in this sermon, but God has a plan. But they're still going to be here, and they'll enter into this treaty. Now, for the first half of it, it'll be okay. It'll offer a lot of solutions for some of the damage that's been done. But the Bible records that halfway through, Antichrist will break his agreement. He'll break the treaty in such a savage way that all hell will be unleashed on earth. It will be something like we've never seen before bands of God's grace that are holding this world together are going to be removed by God himself so Satan can have full control over this world as it begins to wilt in the most awful way this is by the way what we would call tribulation I'm talking about tribulation so that is that period right after the rapture of the church and it will last for seven calendar years literal years seven years Three and a half and three and a half. The first three and a half, there's going to be some resolution, even though a lot of bad things are going to be happening. But the second part, it's going to be unbelievable. There will be famine. There will be death. There will be cosmic disturbances. There's no passage of Scripture found that alleviates any of the pain or suffering of people that are going through this time. It will be the darkest time in human history. Christian, you ought to open your mouth, lift your hands right now in the presence of God, and thank Him that if you're born again, you won't be here. Can I get an amen somebody? Anybody else grateful for that? (sighs) If you're saved, you don't have to face a tribulation here on this earth. But that's not all. There's more. At the end of this time of tribulation, these seven years, there will be a battle that unfolds in the valley of Megiddo. It'll become known as the Battle of Armageddon. Armageddon. Uh, Antichrist will rally his troops together to try to fight against Jesus and his armies. In Revelation chapter 19, you can read it. It shows the Antichrist and his armies suffering total and cataclysmic defeat at the hands of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing victory. Now, when I say that it's at his hands, I say that loosely because Jesus, during this battle doesn't even lift a finger. The Bible says this in Revelation 19.15, the sword of his word will smite the nations, and it was prophesied in the book of Daniel 3 and others. The Antichrist will be destroyed, and it will not be by human power. It's that same word of God that Jesus will speak over him, and it will seal that whole dispensation. Wow. Wow. Now, at the end of that battle, Satan will be chained in what the Bible calls a bottomless pit. Ask me if I understand that. I don't. How's it not bottomless? He's just falling for a thousand. Ah You know what I mean? This is Wiley e. <laughs> Coyote and, and the Road. I don't know. I hope, you know, but 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 either way, he's gonna be restricted and in, in a and locked away in solitary confinement for a thousand years. This is what theologians have called the millennial kingdom. Okay, guys, throw up that slide. This will be after the tribulation. And and how big that is doesn't signify how long it is. These are really, it's an infographic trying to show you what it is. But it will be a thousand years. Jesus Christ personally will set up his throne in Jerusalem and rule and reign this world. Listen to me. Our God will have his garden, church, he will have his way. And he will fulfill every covenant in the presence of man, and we will be shown what the utopia of the Garden of Eden could have looked like. It will be it will be absolute bliss. It will be a utopia on this earth, an amazing, amazing time. He'll absolutely display what he can do. Now, at the end of those thousand years, Satan will be released. He will attempt one final coup. And yet what again, once again, he will be defeated. God will defeat him in a moment and finally he will be cast into what the Bible calls eternal fire or the lake that burns with fire. So you've heard of hell. Hell is going to be condemned to hell and it will burn forever. People that think that they're in unimaginable pain right now who are burning in hell have no idea the torment awaiting when that final judgment will come. It will be severe. Now hell was not created for people but those that don't accept Christ that have to step over Jesus Because they don't want to follow him, they will find themselves in a Christless hell. The world will be judged, and eternal kingdom of heaven will begin. God will literally incinerate all of heaven and all of earth. There will be a new heaven, a new earth, and heaven will physically invade this realm. We know that heaven is to the north of the earth, and it will invade this realm. The Bible says that it's about 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. People have thought that it might be a cube. If you think about that, it'd be about from, from Grand Rapids to Dallas, Texas, is how big this city will be floating over Israel. But it's not a cube. Satan is a counterfeit. He's not a creator. So the, the pyramids of Egypt, my belief is this, are Satan's counterfeit of what he has already seen of that eternal city in heaven, the holy Jerusalem. Those Egypt's are, are, uh, uh, pyramids are small counterfeits of what God has. I believe it will be an upside-down pyramid that will be pointing at the exact spot, the exact hill that Jesus was crucified from. I believe when you look up, you will see the most magnificent city you've ever seen in your entire life, 1,400 miles tall by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles, and Jesus will set up his offices there. You who are a Christian, who served God in this world before the millennial kingdom, will serve as a ruler and that coming age for all of eternity. And those people that will have to have the decision to accept Christ at the end of the millennial kingdom will be our subjects in eternity. We're not going to stay in heaven forever. Heaven will invade earth. Wow. Wow. Now this eternal victory that is coming is an amazing thing. But while we're waiting for, for victory, we're waiting for this conquest of Jesus, what are we in right now? We're in a time of crisis. We're in a time of confusion. Would anybody doubt how confused we are in our culture? Would anybody doubt? People all around us have no clue why they're on this earth and and where they're headed. If if you'd asked them what they'd convey to you in many different ways is that we're on a plane to nowhere, so you might as well drink up and have fun before you land. Our brightest and our best thinkers in this world are absolutely clueless as to what comes next. Our enemy of sin and secularism uh, has left us dazed and bewildered in this world. And what we see is, is, is people believe that they're living this life and what they do here on earth has no eternal value. That is so cruel to do to mankind. You make them think that they themselves are the problem. Listen to the voice of these people. They say that we're overcrowded, that the population is too high. They're content to see the surplus population to be able to be decreased. They're happy about it. This is so severe. Why? Because there's nothing that you can do in your life of eternal purpose or eternal value. You're space dust. You are an animal, and someday you will die, and that will be the end. But to the Christian... We know that that's not the case. We have a purpose. We believe that people are, are called to eternal value. And when we look at this culture who has so much know-how and like none of the know-why, you can see where they begin to become confused. So we take it out on each other. That's why we see the fights in this world, such bitterness and rancor, such territorialism and politicizing of everything. Why is everything political now? Can't go to a baseball game. Can't watch football on the TV. You can't look at a movie now without without everything being politicized in a moment. And it's all just because they're horrified that it's all for nothing. Yet, in the midst of chaos and fear, here's what I know. There are a people who have read the book, who, although yes, can see this world is so confused, that chaos is happening in our lives, we choose to stand firm on the victory that is coming. Amen, somebody on a victory that's coming from our God who will fulfill every covenant promise. Our covenant-keeping God has never said, I'm going to do something, and then broken his word to his people. He will see all of it come to pass. And that's why the church is here. We're here to be salt, and we're here to be light in this world. We're here to be that quorum of people who don't cave in, who don't drink the Kool-Aid of fear. To stand up when no one else will and say we are going to stand for God. We are going to be those, the people that are described in Scripture. That church described by God who has strength. Who through the millennia had stood up to persecution of the church. False gospels being preached. Leaders that have branded themselves as antichrist. Where is that church? She's hearing me today. Strong and mighty and expectant that Jesus is going to make all things new, whether in my life or in the next. That's the only hope of justice, New Chapel. Not in my notes, but I have time. What justice is it if Hitler wouldn't have committed suicide? If we would have arrested him and put him on trial at Nuremberg and and been able to sentence him? Sentence him to what? What? What in the world, on this existence, in this world, could you have sentenced him to that comes close to what he did? That's not justice. Some of the severe things that we see that happen, the the brutality that we see in our culture, how is there justice? The only hope of justice is in a God that will make all things, because he himself is just and kind. In fact, justice isn't a topic, it's a person. He is just And those people will have their recompensive reward. When is the end time going to come? That's the question people want to know. Let me read it for you out of Matthew. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I'm going to just tell you, this is not talking about during the tribulation. This is talking about just before. And that passage, it really concerns me as a pastor. Because it's talking about the Christian. And it's saying that the Christian, the love of the Christians, most of them, it's going to go cold. I hate that. They will know that we're Christians by our love. Now, in spite of that, we're going to see some great fireworks in the end times. But Christian, listen to me. Don't be so insulted by what's happening in your culture, in your world, in your America right now, that you become so recluse, that you only hang out with Christians, you only talk to other Christians, that you just don't want the fight of it all. You know, we're the nice guys. They're trying to push their thing on us, right? Anybody else try to to convince you to take a shot recently? You know what I mean? They're the pushy ones. We're kind of like, don't want to fight. Please don't do that, you know? And so think about that. Think about that. We need to be the people that aren't turned off by that. We're going to love them and engage with them and be in conversation and relationship with a dark, sinful, headed to hell world, despite how we feel about it. Don't become so tribal with your small group that you avoid the world. Always have a seat open to somebody that's far from God. Can I get an amen? So the Bible says that the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Scripture says that there'll be an increase in wickedness. Anybody else seeing that prophecy fulfilled? That the, there'll be this ramp up in people that used to be, you know, I mean, even in just pop culture, you'd be ashamed of some of those things. Hollywood, I mean, they believed it for the longest time. They just didn't let you know everything that they believed. And now, today, they are not only out with everything that they believe, everything that they think you should do for your life, but they are now forceful with you to do it. That you are some sort of cretin if you don't go along with what they think. Question, what qualifies an actor to weigh in on politics? I don't know. Just don't get angry, Joe. Keep preaching. Okay. So there'll be an increase of wickedness. These are the disruptions that you see. I would say that 9-11 is a great example of that. The world was different before 9-11, more secure, more wholesome. So I would expect that before Jesus comes back, that there'd be more things like this pandemic or plandemic, uh, more things like 9-11, more things like I would expect it. I I would just buckle up for things like that. Now, as bad as that is, that's not tribulation. That's an increase in wickedness. That's this world doing what it wants to do to itself. And it is chaotic, and it troubles us, I understand. But also, we just read that the whole gospel is going to be preached to this whole world, that there will be an increase in the move of God. And listen to me, it's happening. Now, your news media works hard for you to hear what they want you to hear you are not going to hear about the worldwide revival that has been happening before all of this junk. Of the 196 nations of the world, all of them have Christianity growing at three times the rate of population growth with the exception of 20. And by the way, your home, the United States, is one of the 20. That's not keeping up. You go to any other continent of this world, and it's exploding. You can't hold it back. Those miracles that we sing about are being shown in plain daylight. And before Jesus will come back, trust me, those 20 nations will see that rate at least match what we're seeing now, if not exceeded by multiples, because the gospel will be increased over all the nations of this world. And so when will the income, Pastor Joe? Write it down right after the revival. Can I hear an amen? There's a revival that's coming, a huge revival. revival. Did you know that more people have come to Christ in the last 40 years than in the whole of the 1980 years combined? More people have come to Christ. That means that statistically... There is more of the church of Jesus Christ on earth today than there is in eternal heaven waiting for our arrival. That's what's happened. You hearing about that? No, because it's not part of the agenda nor the talking point, and the world wants nothing to do with it. The only world that exists to these people is New York and L.A., and there's a lot of land in between all of that. Amen, somebody? 1 Thessalonians 5 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, like when's it going to happen? How's this going to happen? When's he going to show up? Tell us, Pastor Joe. We do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, we're doing this for peace. We're doing this for your safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. You ask Kaya. She tried to escape. You know what I'm talking about? The women do. Men just look forward. Great with child. You know, I mean, they start walking funny. It's not a swagger. It's a, I can't walk right anymore, you know. You know what I'm saying? End of the day, she's like, would you rub my feet? look at her feet. look like little balls, all swollen up. Great with child. And there's birth pangs, these little, like, fibs that come along, like, hey, psych, you're not having a kid? Thought you were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And stuff's moving around. I don't know. I don't understand any of that. But, but it doesn't have to be, but, like, three months before your due date, you know, you're looking at it, and you're like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but something's going to happen. Okay. Right. You know, for Kai and I, all of our kids went overdue. Like, the due date, I don't have. It was arbitrary. They just made it up. I have no idea. Because some of them were by weeks that they were overdue. And not that I'm part of the old Amish order, but we do, we do home births. So I hope you still respect me. It's okay. I'm not, like, I really don't even like granola. So I'm not a granola. I'm not a hippie. You know me. <laughs> but we do home births. I actually believe in them. It's pretty cool. And so uh, I delivered uh, Jack, and I, I delivered Frank, um, with Vera, it was kind of an interesting situation because with, with those kids, with all of them, we had our midwife there. But it, it was kind of that time where it's like, you know, contractions are happening, whatever. We called the midwife. If we would have called the midwife or the hospital, either one, we weren't at the rate that you're supposed to be. I can't remember what it is. Is it like five minutes and, you know, one minute, five to one, one minute contraction? We weren't there. We, just, we weren't there yet. But we're calling. Guys, like, it's getting pretty hard. You know, It's getting pretty severe. And midwife said, "I call me when they're at the time, like I'm in. We're like, okay, but we've done this before. Like, we think that, you know, and so we got off, and I'll say within a minute and a half, I delivered Vera. Like, boom, I'm looking at her. She's looking back at me. Hokey, Pete, that'll mess you up, folks. When two people walk into a room and three walk out, you know, something happened. And so, but it surprised us. didn't happen when we really thought. We had a really good idea. We're even calling, like it's got to be. You're hearing messages. How in the world are you hearing, almost in consensus, every evangelical leader tell you, you are in the in times? This is what we've studied our whole life. We know it. When you start seeing Orthodox and Roman church start to side with, yeah, yeah, Jesus coming back. You know? I mean, you know it's getting real. And so we have to look at these things and realize that when will the end come? Write it down. Sooner than you think. Like you'll be thinking one thing, the Bible says it will come, like a thief. That's a sovereign statement, isn't it? Like nobody's really going to. They're going to. Everybody's going to think we at least have a little bit more time. Nope. You're surprising. It continues on. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. So that this day should not surprise you like a thief. In other words, if you're born again, when it happens, you, hey, I knew this was coming. You know, you are all children of the light and children of the day. Let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and let us be sober. That's what I'm called to preach to you. Be awake, be sober about these things. Verse nine, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Let me read that again for those of you that think that we're going to go through tribulation. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. And what wrath is it talking about? His. When you hear preachers say, oh man, Hurricane Katrina was God's wrath, Uh uh-uh, no. There'd be a hole where like all of Louisiana was if God's wrath was on it. God's wrath was satisfied by his son on the cross. The next time you see wrath happen, his church will be out of here and his wrath will be poured out on this world as the world slaps the hand of God's uh, away from this world. When we see them slap God's hand today, they're not successful. Why? We're the salt and light of the world. We're the thing that holds them back from doing all the wild plans that they have that they think would work. And in their defense, some of these people are totally unspiritual in every way, meaning that they don't factor in sin. So when you start talking about a communism or a socialism... Making government God is what that could also be called. Those would work perfectly. How? In a sinless world. Take sin out, they all work perfect. But sin is in the world. We're the only thing holding back these ungodly decisions that the world wants to do. Wow. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or whether asleep, when? At the day, right? That's what we're talking about. We might live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Another translation says, encourage one another with these words. Well, wait a second. If we're going to have to go through hell on earth for seven years, and that's just what he's trying to convey there, that's what it says. Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another How about add another floor on the bunker? Like, I need to get that show going. Doomsday bunkers or preppers or whatever. Somebody get me freeze-dried food now. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about, everybody? You're not going to suffer God's wrath. There might be perilous times, and perilous times will come. You're there. This, This is what it was describing. So, for those who know God, and I hope that's you in the room, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better, meaning that there might be more 9-11 type events. There might be more uh, pandemics and other and, and, and things that are, that are grievous. You might see more social unrest in this, in this country and then in this world. But listen to me. For the most part, this is kind of what it's like. It's only going to get better. But for those that don't know God, this is as good as it gets. It only gets worse. Wow. Well, I'd pray after that, but that sounds pretty severe, doesn't it? Second question, what will heaven be like? Since we need something a little bit lighter. What will heaven be like? So we see this world that is so jacked, it's decaying, and it's frustrating. And for those of us that are children of the light, the Bible says we can't let our love wax cold. But when you see schools that you went to and graduated from, and now you wouldn't send your dog there, much less your kids, in fear of some of the things that they'd be taught, it's troubling. When you see world leaders say some of the things that they say in an open way, with a straight face, and profess to be Christian, this is, this is not right. And so we see these things that are troubling, and it makes me think about flying on a plane in bad weather. Have you ever, um, maybe you, you traveled for work, or maybe you've traveled uh, for vacation, and it was a rainy day. I'm so grateful that at Gerald R. Ford, they built that big covering over it, knowing that it's either snow or wind or rain, the sun will get through, you know, but, but let's build something. But back in the day, it'd be raining all over you, and sometimes even when you're coming back, those areas aren't covered, and you're pulling your suitcase, and you're getting wet, your suitcase is getting wet, right? And there's nothing that I hate worse than being moist. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? I'm not wet. I'm certainly not dry, but it's just humid. It's kind of like some of those Chinese restaurants that you go in. It's a buffet. Some of them I like. Some of you go in there, it's like sauna. You know, you come out there and you don't have to just wash your clothes. You have to throw them away. It's done. You know, you smell like seaweed for a week, you know, and kind of like that when you get into a plane and everybody's a terrorist to me since 9-11. I'm looking around just guarding myself, you know, and and everything's dirty too. How many of your moms carried wet wipes with them wherever they went, or Clorox wipes? My mom did both. Just cleaning everything, everywhere. So to me, if I'm moist, I don't know why I'm collecting all of that, even if I'm just looking at it. <laughs> Gross. And so, <clears throat> I want you to imagine you're 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 taking this trek out to a plane. It's raining hard, and finally you get your seat. As you get your seat on the plane, you look out the window. And they haven't even opened up the plane yet, but they have your luggage out there down in the downpour. Perfect. I'm going to have wet, whitey-tidies when I get to wherever I'm going to be going. Perfect. This is gross, you know. And think about all your toiletry bag and all the stuff there, all that's just bleeding into your clothes. While it's a... and, and maybe you're like me. I kind of like when, when they have turbulence on a plane. I think it feels like a ride. Kaya loathes it. But I don't like it if it's going to be hard for this reason. It makes the babies cry on the plane. So it's a little bit frustrating because all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm going to be hearing everybody crying and acting crazy or whatever. And the plane takes off. Sometimes you get stalled. You're damp. You're stalled. Okay, finally you're taken off. Baby's screaming. Turbulence starts to happen. All kinds of just bumps. And you're like, okay, this is great. But the kid hates it. And, and you're just like, this is annoying, right? You, know, you don't want to talk to anybody. You just want to get to wherever you're going. At this point, it's a mission. And then all of a sudden, light beams through every window in that plane, and you can see you've you've gone above the clouds. All of a sudden, you hear a sound. Bing! This is your captain. We are at our cruise altitude of 30,000 feet. Pretty smooth sailing for the rest of our trip. And, And all of a sudden, your perspective has changed. So listen to me. As frustrated and annoying as this time is, as justified as we are in, in being correct about a great many things that we're calling out in this culture, there's coming a day where you will get above the clouds, where light will blast in, and there will be freedom in your life. Amen, somebody. Now, somebody says, what is heaven like? Is it, is it like, you know, babies naked? I mean, naked babies, you know, fat, naked babies just floating in clouds, playing a harp, playing harp music all the time, like that's heaven? No, listen to me, that's hell okay? That's that's not heaven, okay? (laughs) What is heaven like? There's no traffic, no 131 traffic. They're not going to finish a two-year project just to start another one right underneath it. Hey, everything's open. Psych, (laughs) you know? There's going to be no bills. I think I get a lot of response from the church on that one. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no pain the light on the Krispy Kreme is always going to be on. There's no temptation. There's no racism. There's no pandemics. Politicians. There's no dying, murder. There's no more evil. There's peace. Will we experience emotions? You'll experience every emotion. Yeah. Yeah. People think that you're going to be like, I don't know anybody, I'm totally, no, you're going to be you. When you get there, you're going to feel, but you're going to feel on a deeper level than you've ever felt before. Is it going to be colorful? You'll see colors, but you'll see colors that are not part of Roy G. Biv. (laughs) They're off the rainbow. These are off-market colors that you're going to see, but not just see them, you'll taste them. Not just taste them, you'll hear them. Heaven is so vivid and powerful when you get there. The emotions that you feel, you've never felt a depth of feeling like you will when you get to those gates, carved out of one single pearl. It's powerful. It's amazing. You'll have an element of enlightenment and knowledge, but you'll still be in heaven learning. You'll recognize other people in heaven. You will eat and you will drink. There will be feasts and celebrations. There will be singing And there will be dancing in heaven. So if you're of a denomination that you're not so keen to dance, you know maybe we'll have you in a different room or something, but there will be singing and dancing. Heaven will be full of children. Every miscarried baby had a purpose and plan from God. Every aborted child. If you've accepted Christ since an abortion, your baby's waiting for you in heaven. In the good hands of an angel. And you will raise your child in heaven. God doesn't let one bit of the stink of hell infect eternity. Every one of those children are alive and well to this day. They have a name. (sighs) Is it like earth? It's more like earth than earth is like earth. What do you mean by that? The Bible says that God is a spirit. So think of it this way. The spiritual created the natural. It created this earth. You think of this earth as so beautiful when you see a sunset or you see a mountain, and it is. It's the hand and signature of God but you're in a fallen world that's permanently been altered, that through a flood has been damaged in a way that it wasn't meant to be with most of the species that were alive. I mean, very few survived in the decades and years afterwards because the atmosphere changed. Heaven is untouched by sin. Are there mountains there? Yes, yes. There's mountains and valleys and forests and lakes and streams. We know that there's a a river that flows through the holy city. We know that there's trees all around it that produce fruit, the tree of life. In fact, that's where we believe that the kids are right now with the angels. They're down by the watering hole. God knows you can't get a kid to stop playing to eat. You know what I'm talking about? So God makes the food grow right on the trees. It's never night there, so they're not afraid. There's nobody that's going to take your kid, so there's absolute peace. Let them play. Let them have fun. Let them be kids like kids are supposed to be. There's joy there that you can't even speak, you couldn't utter. Paul went to the third heaven. He said, there's things that I saw there I can't even articulate. And he said, it's forbidden for any man to say. It's so unspeakably amazing above what you could ever imagine. The greatest times that you ever had on this earth will pale. They'll they'll seem so, 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 so drained of color compared to the life that you will live on heaven. And you'll have a job. That's why I try so hard to talk to you about purpose and next steps and God has a plan for you because you need to learn to love what you do because you're called to be somebody that does something and you will be doing for all of eternity. Why? Heaven is full of servants serving one another. You'll have to lunge to open a door. Because everybody's loving one another. They're not looking out for their own. But when that happens, everybody's taken care of. Do you see the counterfeit for some of these things the world is trying to do? It's absolutely peaceful. And I put it this way. I think it's profound, but I think you'll get what I mean. Write it down. Heaven is better than Grand Rapids. We think this is such a cool city. We have the most of every four season. You can't deny that. We're so close to Grand Haven and think it's all better. Think of the pain. I'm in my mid-30s and, you know, I don't like to even complain about it, but I've suffered a lot of surgeries in my life, on my structure, and there's pain. And for those of you that have aged and your energy's changed, you're just... You play with everybody and you're good, but the next day you're so sore. Where did that even come from? You'll never get tired. You'll never feel pain again. Freedom. For those of you that watched loved ones suffer from sickness on their way out, their last breath here was the worst they ever had it. And their next breath, oh, the air that filled their lungs brought healing and peace. It regenerated. Revelation says it this way, (laughs) he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Oh, that's my God. He who was seated on the throne, this is Jesus, he says, I am making everything new. And then he said, write it down. You take it to the bank. For these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus preached about blessing on this earth. He talked about his promises. But more than talking about him blessing you on this earth and, and how we could have a better now, Jesus would preach about a better place. Something that can outlast this world. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled You believe in God Believe also in me In my father's house There's many rooms If it were not so I would have told you That I'm going to prepare a place for you And if I go to prepare a place for you I will come back And take you to be with me That you might be where I am You know the way to the place I'm going Thomas, doubting Thomas Pops up and he says "Uh, I don't have the directions We don't know the way And Jesus says I am the way. It's not directions. It's a person. It's a relationship with Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Gosh. I want to know more about heaven, Pastor Joe. Good. In the month of November, I'm going to preach for four weeks on it. It's going to be powerful. I think this church is going to grow like we've never had in the course of a month. That's on you, but... I'll talk about heaven more, but I need to move on. Still, while I talk about eternity, and there's something in the Christian's heart that lifts when we start talking that way. Even myself, I'm troubled by the things that I see. You know Jesus dealt with that? This is what he prayed in John 12. Now my soul... Is troubled. It's okay for you to be troubled. It's not okay for you to stay there or let it become depression. But it's okay. Jesus is telling you, He was. My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? What's my response to all of this? God, get me out. I know that there's something in us right now that's like, okay, hit the button. Somebody hit the button. I'm I'm good. I want to get out. I'm done. God, save me from all of this. What is Jesus doing? He's facing the cross. And in prayer, the words of Jesus are so clarifying. He says this, no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Something sovereign and out of your control is when you were born. And you were born for such a time as this. You're here for a reason. Do I believe in escape theology? Yes, meaning Jesus will come and we're all going to escape the, the hell on earth that this world will face. However, don't be so eager to go that we leave future brothers and sisters behind. God still has a call on your life. If you're still alive during all of this junk, purpose is coursing through your veins. Our job is not finished. Quit wrapping everything up and look out to the fields. They're white with harvest. We have people outside of these walls that are ready. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. When the world gets dark, the light shines so much clearer. And people are fed up with the way this world is going, even those that don't know the truth. Somebody say amen. amen. And so church, there's three things that we can do as we see eternity Fast approaching. Very quickly, number one, show up. Show up. Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And let us consider one another in order to stir up that love so it doesn't go cold, I would mention in order to stir up love and good works. We got work to do. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging, you could say. And so much more as you see the day, capital D. What's the day? The day where you see your Savior face to face. It is the spirit of Antichrist in this world that forbids his church to gather. Listen to me. Take it to the bank. So much more. You don't think things are going to get a little bit more wild? They will. You can get upset about that or you can become encouraged about that. You need to show up. In the words of the great philosopher, turn down for what? Get get to the house of God. Well, the church is not a building. True. True. The church is the gathering of the saints together in one accord, in one place. And when that, the Holy Ghost is here. In the profession of faith of so many evangelical denominations, we believe in the gathering of the saints. You can't take away the gathering of the saints and say that it's Christian. There is some assembly required. Make sense? i got to move on. Uh, First, that's why we push New Chapel Connect is because not because we're not getting everything done right now we are but if we want to see more people come into this house as we're getting closer to the arrival of Jesus I need help and I can't have you people this is me shear the sheep once a year okay I'll do it I feed you every other week let me shear you for a minute I can't have you sitting on your hands not you who are called to this hour not you who have gifts and talents and abilities and and blessings to give and things that we can work out. I can't have you sitting on your hands. God would implore you today, get up off your blessed assurance and serve the Lord. Amen, somebody? That's the problem. Listen, get up and serve the Lord. Praise God. Number two, my favorite, stand up. Stand up. Luke 21, when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. There's work to be done. There's people outside of this place. We need you on the go team. You know, I used to have a philosophy that, that when people leave, it's like taking your finger out of a cup of water and just as quick as you pulled it out, it fills right in. And that's how much we need you. That's wrong. We need your gift. I can't do this alone. If this is on me, I'm going to biff it. But if we together can take arms together to make an influence arm in arm, guys, I'm telling you, when you stand up and take your place, you can see great things happen in our church and in our world. You need to give like Jesus is coming back because he is. And you need to vote like Jesus is coming back. When you hear the statement, stand up, this is not something new. Christians have used this as a rally point for 2,000 years, and it is godly men today that are using the same phrase. Number three, look up. Show up, stand up, look up. Luke 21 from the authorized version. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. I had to stop watching a lot of the news. I was a news junkie there for a second. Can my support group like wave at me for a second? I'm all here all alone. Just. And it's not that I don't watch it. I I keep informed. You know, I do. But I can't, I can't do it because it it's troubling. My soul can't watch that and go to sleep peaceful. And so I gotta watch a little bit here and there. Gotta watch the time of day that I do it. And when I see some of the wickedness that's happening it's listen, don't be passive, don't withdraw from it, I'm telling you stand up in the midst of all of it and make a difference but I can't look to the news and I had my favorite I'm sure you had yours as much as those people can be answers to prayer, whether they even knew they were participating in it or not our faith cannot rest in a man Our faith can't rest in a politician, in public schools. And the systems of this world are being exposed one by one for just how plastic they all are. And so I can't look to a politician. These men can't control their next breath. I look up. I look to God. When you see these things happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh. It's not talking about up physically per se, because what if Jesus arrives over Israel and what are we gonna do on this side of the world? We're not gonna see him. No, it's the, It's not saying just look up. It's saying focus this way. Have your heart focused on this, on godly things, on heavenly things. Look up to the great things he's promised you in the midst of all of these these awful things that we see happening on the earth. Look up, be reminded. That this world is not your home. That we are exiles in this world. We are only visitors. Can I get an amen? amen? We are subjects of a king. Your citizenship is not what's on your passport or on your driver's license. If you can even get into those places anymore. Your citizenship is in heaven. We serve a king. We as a Christian reside in theocracy, not republic. And so we have to take our heart, our hope, take heart from that truth that God is bigger than all of it. We serve a higher law and a great God. Now, last thing I want to tell you. I'll be the first one to preach to you about God's promises and his blessings that he wants to give you in the here and now. You've heard me. But I think that there's something that those old timers have that we need. Your grandparents or great-grandparents that went through hardship on this world. Real pandemics. Millions dying. And and they believed God for a good harvest. They They wanted the blessing in the here and now, but hear me, New Chapel, their hope was not rested on the here and now. Their hope was was called the blessed hope, is what the old timers would still call it. And the blessed hope is on the sure and certain return of Jesus Christ for his church. Their their hope was was not on what this world could give them. Do you know what they would sing? (sighs) When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Some glad morning, when this life is over, oh God, that morning, I'll fly away. Their hope was not anchored on what this world could give them. Their hope was anchored on a return of their God and on eternal peace and eternal glory. That's where it was found. Can I get an amen? So we want to know the time Jesus is going to come back. Here's what Jesus wants to know the time of, and he wants you to know the time of. 2 Corinthians 6, and then I'm going to pray for us. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You're worried about stuff that Jesus doesn't even know when he's going to return. Only God the Father does. You know what he's concerned about? Hey, uh, I shed my blood. So I'm going to come, but I don't know yet, but I'm still the high priest over this church. And we've got some work to do. Well, I don't like big churches. You're going to hate heaven. But number two, you come and tell me when when I'm done reaching people and them accepting Christ. You tell me when it's about your comfort. You tell me when we should take chairs out. Because I can't do it. I don't have the conscience to do it. So grow with me. Grow with this church. Find your group of people and let's see the end time harvest happen in America that has financed so much of the revival around the world. Can I get an amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the blessed hope, your sure and certain return. God, thank you for eternity in heaven, in your presence, and that it's better than what we could even covet for on this earth. Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Whew, you came into this room and you heard a message about eternity. Something in you, just the light switch went on. And you're like, I got to get right with God. The only way to do that is through Jesus. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He died on a cross after living a sinless life. He died in your place. And when you call him Lord, call him boss, call him your God, The Bible says you'll be saved. So when Jesus returns or you die before that, you'll be in his presence. The power and joy and the down payment on eternal life can come into your heart today. The joy and the peace that you're looking for in this world, it can reside in your heart before you leave the room. So for everybody in the sound of my voice, I'm going to pray a prayer of dedication and consecration. If you want to accept Christ today, Now's your moment. Repeat this after me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So, with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ, as my Lord, I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Your citizenship's in heaven. Hey, stand up under your feet, church. I I held you over a little bit late. Probably shouldn't have been so hard on hour-long messages today. But let me just tell you, I I just feel like we need to hear it every once in a while. We don't talk about that enough. So I want you to leave here with a fire lit in your heart. Think about people you can invite for next week. I think it's going to be powerful. Uh, Two announcements before we leave. Uh, Next week, everybody say next next week. Next week is Mother's Day. And my wife is going to be delivering the message next week. Are you excited about that? I'm pretty excited. And we're also going to be having child dedication. So if you haven't dedicated uh, your young person to the Lord... Please sign up over at Guest Services, or you can do it online at newchapel.com. Hit the Connect With Us tab and let us know about that. And then finally, as I said while we were preaching today, New Chapel Connect is after second service. It's in this room, so if you need to go to Target, go buy you something, I don't know, you know, believe me, your your company will want to go there. But come back after second service. We're having New Chapel Connect. It's the best way to join up with everything that we're doing here at New Chapel. Did y'all get anything out of today? Yeah. Thank you. Praise God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at Newchapel.